Chapter Eight of A Daughter of the Snows by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eight. And why should I not be proud of my race? Frona's cheeks were flushed and her eyes sparkling. They had both been harking back to childhood, and she had been telling Corliss of her mother, whom she faintly remembered fair and flaxen-haired typically saxon was the likeness she had drawn filled out largely with knowledge gained from her father and from old andy of the dia post the discussion had then turned upon the race in general and frona had said things in the heat of enthusiasm which affected the more conservative mind of corliss as dangerous and not solidly based on fact he deemed himself too large for race egotism and had seen fit to laugh at her immature convictions it's a common characteristic of all peoples he proceeded to consider themselves superior races a naive natural egoism very healthy and very good but none the less manifestly untrue the jews conceived themselves to be god's chosen people and they still so conceive themselves and because of it they have left a deep mark down the page of history she interrupted but time has not proved the stability of their conceptions and you must also view the other side a superior people must look upon all others as inferior peoples this comes home to you to be a roman were greater than to be a king and when the romans rubbed against your savage ancestors in the german forests they elevated their brows and said an inferior people barbarians but we are here now we are and the romans are not the test is time so far we have stood the test the signs are favourable that we shall continue to stand it we are the best fitted egotism but wait put it to the test as she spoke her hand flew out impulsively to his at the touch his heart pulsed upward there was a rush of blood and a tightening across the temples ridiculous but delightful he thought at this rate he could argue with her the night through the test she repeated withdrawing her hand without embarrassment we are a race of doers and fighters of globe encirclers and zone conquerors we toil and struggle and stand by the toil and struggle no matter how hopeless it may be while we are persistent and resistant we are so made that we fit ourselves to the most diverse conditions will the indian the negro or the mongol ever conquer the teuton surely not the indian has persistence without variability if he does not modify he dies if he does try to modify he dies anyway the negro has adaptability but he is servile and must be led as for the chinese they are permanent all that the other races are not the anglo-saxon or teuton if you please is all that the other races have not the teuton has what race is to rise and overwhelm us ah you forget the slav corliss suggested slyly the slav her face fell true the slav the only stripling in this world of young men and greybeards but he is still in the future and in the future the decision rests in the meantime we prepare if may be we shall have such a start that we shall prevent him growing you know because he was better skilled in chemistry knew how to manufacture gunpowder that the spaniard destroyed the aztec may not we who are possessing ourselves of the world and its resources and gathering to ourselves all its knowledge may not we nip the slav ere he grows a thatch to his lip 
Vance Corliss shook his head noncommittally and laughed. "'Oh, I know I become absurd and grow overwarm,' she exclaimed. "'But after all, the reason that we are the salt of the earth is because we have the courage to say so.' "'And I am sure your warmth spreads,' he responded. "'See, I'm beginning to glow myself. We are not gods, but nature's chosen people. We Angles and Saxons and Normans and Vikings, and the earth is our heritage. Let us arise and go forth.' now you are laughing at me and besides we have already gone forth why have you fared into the north if not to lay hands on the race legacy she turned her head at the sound of approaching footsteps and cried for greeting i appeal to you captain alexander i summon you to bear witness the captain of police smiled in his sternly mirthful fashion as he shook hands with frona and corliss bear witness he questioned ah oh, yes bear witness o oh my comrades what a hard-bit gang were we the servants of the sweephead but the masters of the sea he quoted the verse with a savage solemnity exulting through his deep voice this and the appositeness of it quite carried frona away and she had both his hands in hers on the instant corliss was aware of an inward wince at the action it was uncomfortable he did not like to see her so promiscuous with those warm strong hands of hers did she so favor all men who delighted her by word or deed he did not mind her fingers closing round his but somehow it seemed wanton when shared with the next comer by the time he had thought thus far frona had explained the topic under discussion and captain alexander was testifying i don't know much about your slav and other kin except that they are good workers and strong but i do know that the white man is the greatest and best breed in the world take the indian for instance the white man comes along and beats him at all his games outworks him outruffs him outfishes him outhunts him as far back as their myths go the alaskan indians have packed on their backs but the gold rushers as soon as they had learned the tricks of the trade packed greater loads and packed them farther than did the indians why last may the queen's birthday we had sports on the river in the one two three four and five men canoe races we beat the indians right and left yet they had been born to the paddle and most of us had never seen a canoe until man grown but why is it corliss queried i do not know why i only know that it is i simply bear witness i do know that we do what they cannot do and what they can do we do better frona nodded her head triumphantly at corliss come acknowledge your defeat so that we may go in to dinner defeat for the time being at least the concrete facts of paddles and pack-straps quite overcome your dogmatics ah i thought so more time all the time in the world but let us go in we'll see what my father thinks of it and mr keller a symposium on anglo-saxon supremacy frost and enervation are mutually repellent the northland gives a keenness and zest to the blood which cannot be obtained in warmer climes naturally so then the friendship which sprang up between corliss and frona was anything but languid they met often under her father's roof-tree and went many places together each found a pleasurable attraction in the other and a satisfaction which the things they were not in accord with could not mar frona liked the man because he was a man in her wildest flights she could never imagine linking herself with any man no matter how exalted spiritually who was not a man physically it was a delight to her and a joy to look upon the strong males of her kind with bodies comely in the sight of god and muscles swelling with the promise of deeds and work 
man to her was preeminently a fighter she believed in natural selection and in sexual selection and was certain that if man had thereby become possessed of faculties and functions they were for him to use and could but tend to his good and likewise with instincts if she felt drawn to any person or thing it was good for her to be so drawn good for herself if she felt impelled to joy in a well-built frame and well-shaped muscle why should she restrain why should she not love the body and without shame the history of the race and of all races sealed her choice with approval down all time the weak and effeminate males have vanished from the world stage only the strong could inherit the earth she had been born of the strong and she chose to cast her lot with the strong yet of all creatures she was the last to be deaf and blind to the things of the spirit but the things of the spirit she demanded should be likewise strong no halting no stuttered utterance tremulous waiting minor wailing the mind and the soul must be as quick and definite and certain as the body nor was the spirit made alone for immortal dreaming like the flesh it must strive and toil it must be work-a-day as well as idle day she could understand a weakling singing sweetly and even greatly and in so far she could love him for his sweetness and greatness but her love would have fuller measure were he strong of body as well she believed she was just she gave the flesh its due and the spirit its due but she had over and above her own choice her own individual ideal she liked to see the two go hand in hand prophecy and dyspepsia did not affect her as a felicitous admixture a splendid savage and a weak-kneed poet she could admire the one for his brawn and the other for his song but she would prefer that they had been made one in the beginning as to vance corliss first and most necessary of all there was that physiological affinity between them that made the touch of his hand a pleasure to her though souls may rush together if the body cannot endure body happiness is reared on sand and the structure will be ever unstable and tottery next corliss had the physical potency of the hero without the grossness of the brute his muscular development was more qualitative than quantitative and it is the qualitative development which gives rise to beauty of form a giant need not be proportioned in the mould nor a thew be symmetrical to be massive and finally none the less necessary but still finally vance corliss was neither spiritually dead nor decadent he affected her as fresh and wholesome and strong as reared above the soil but not scorning the soil of course none of this she reasoned out otherwise than by subconscious processes her conclusions were feelings not thoughts though they quarrelled and disagreed on innumerable things deep down underlying all there was a permanent unity she liked him for a certain stern soberness that was his and for his saving grace of humour seriousness and banter were not incompatible she liked him for his gallantry made to work with and not for display she liked the spirit of his offer at happy camp when he proposed giving her an indian guide and passage money back to the united states he could do as well as talk she liked him for his outlook for his innate liberality which she felt to be there somehow no matter that often he was narrow of expression she liked him for his mind though somewhat academic somewhat tainted with latter-day scholasticism it was still a mind which permitted him to be classed with the intellectuals he was capable of divorcing sentiment and emotion from reason granted that he included all the factors he could not go wrong 
and here was where she found chief fault with him his narrowness which precluded all the factors his narrowness which gave the lie to the breadth she knew was really his but she was aware that it was not an irremediable defect and that the new life he was leading was very apt to rectify it he was filled with culture what he needed was a few more of life's facts and she liked him for himself which is quite different from liking the parts which went to compose him for it is no miracle for two things added together to produce not only the sum of themselves but a third thing which is not to be found in either of them so with him she liked him for himself for that something which refused to stand out as a part or a sum of parts for that something which is the cornerstone of faith and which has ever baffled philosophy and science and further to like with frona wells did not mean to love first and above all vance corliss was drawn to frona wells because of the clamour within him for a return to the soil in him the elements were so mixed that it was impossible for women many times removed to find favour in his eyes such he had met constantly but not one had ever drawn from him a superfluous heartbeat though there had been in him a growing instinctive knowledge of lack of unity the lack of unity which must precede always the love of a man and woman not one of the daughters of eve he had met had flashed irresistibly in to fill the void elective affinity sexual affinity or whatsoever the intangible essence known as love is had never been manifest when he met frona it had at once sprung full-fledged into existence but he quite misunderstood it took it for a mere attraction towards the new and unaccustomed many men possessed of birth and breeding have yielded to this clamour for return and giving the apparent lie to their own sanity and moral stability many such men have married peasant girls or barmaids and those to whom evil apportioned itself have been prone to distrust the impulse they obeyed forgetting that nature makes or mars the individual for the sake always of the type for in every such case of return the impulse was sound only that time and space interfered and propinquity determined whether the object of choice should be barmaid or peasant girl happily for vance corliss time and space were propitious and in frona he found the culture he could not do without and the clean sharp tang of the earth he needed in so far as her education and culture went she was an astonishment he had met the scientifically smattered young woman before but frona had something more than smattering further she gave new life to old facts and her interpretations of common things were coherent and vigorous and new though his acquired conservatism was alarmed and cried danger he could not remain cold to the charm of her philosophizing while her scholarly attainments were fully redeemed by her enthusiasm though he could not agree with much of that she passionately held he yet recognized that the passion of sincerity and enthusiasm was good but her chief fault in his eyes was her unconventionality woman was something so inexpressibly sacred to him that he could not bear to see any good woman venturing where the footing was precarious whatever good woman thus ventured overstepping the meets and bounds of sex and status he deemed did so of wantonness and wantonness of such order was akin to well he could not say it when thinking of frona though she hurt him often by her unwise acts however he only felt such acts when away from her when with her looking into her eyes which always looked back or at greeting and parting pressing her hand which always pressed honestly 
it seemed certain that there was in her nothing but goodness and truth and then he liked her in many different ways for many different things for her impulses and for her passions which were always elevated and already from breathing the northland air he had come to like her for the comradeship which at first had shocked him there were other acquired likings her lack of prudishness for instance which he awoke one day to find that he had previously confounded with lack of modesty and it was only the day before that day that he drifted before he thought into a discussion with her of camille she had seen bernhardt and dwelt lovingly on the recollection he went home afterwards a dull pain gnawing at his heart striving to reconcile frona with the ideal impressed upon him by his mother that innocence was another term for ignorance notwithstanding by the following day he had worked it out and loosened another finger of the maternal grip he liked the flame of her hair in the sunshine the glint of its gold by the firelight and the waywardness of it and the glory he liked her neat-shod feet and the grey-gaitered calves alas now hidden in long-skirted dawson he liked her for the strength of her slenderness and to walk with her swinging her step and stride to his or to merely watch her come across a room or down the street was a delight life and joy of life romped through her blood abstemiously filling out and rounding off each shapely muscle and soft curve and he liked it all especially he liked the swell of her forearm which rose firm and strong and tantalizing and sought shelter all too quickly under the loose flowing sleeve the coordination of physical and spiritual beauty is very strong in normal men and so it was with vance corliss that he liked the one was no reason that he failed to appreciate the other he liked frona for both and for herself as well and to like with him though he did not know it was to love End of chapter 8. Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.